add a bit of sunshine to your home with Easy Living Furniture's Garden Furniture Sale with stunning dining sets, cracking egg chairs and relaxing sun loungers that are in stock and ready for delivery there really is something for everyone and with an extra 10% off sale prices and free delivery over 399 now really is the time to let your garden shine Garden Sale now on Visit Easy Living Furniture Don't miss out Find your local store online at easylivingfurniture.ie Leia Healthcare It's good to live Proud sponsor of the Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry Welcome to the Real Health Podcast in association with Leia Healthcare with me, Carl Henry Today's guest has been described as giving voice to a generation of Irish women covering anxiety, confidence and relationships in their 20s and the success of her TV series, Can't Cope, Won't Cope, as well as films and book projects, means that Stephanie Preisner certainly isn't resting on her laurels. Stephanie, welcome to The Real Health Podcast. Thank you for having me. How's it going? It's going well. I'm very excited to actually be part of a podcast that I listen to. No pressure. All the time, yeah. I want to talk health. Um, Do it. Tell us what time you get up in the morning. I normally. Normally. So, normally. Okay, so this... I've said this before on other platforms and I've started to change how I talk about it. Okay. Okay. Because I think we live in a country that fetishizes stress and hard work. And and it's like, like it's a real sexy answer for me to say that I get up at 4.30 in the morning. You know, it's like, ooh, she's real hardworking and driven. And how do you do it? And, and sometimes I get feed fed by that and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm like really, but that's not useful because the actual answer is I get eight hours sleep. Mm -hmm. And, I tend to go to bed at 8.30 because I don't enjoy the evenings. I don't really like watching television when I'm working and I'm working a lot at the moment. And I love to sleep and I love my bed. So I go to sleep and then I wake up naturally with no alarm at 4.30. But sometimes the headline is Stephanie Preissner gets up at 4.30 in the morning and then other people decide oh yeah, I'm going to get up at 4.30 in the morning and they go to bed at 11 and then they're getting five and a half hours sleep Mm -hmm. and then their immune system is shot and they're tired and they're cranky and no one likes to be around someone who hasn't slept and I think we need to stop fetishizing hard work and stress. I agree. I also get up around half four, quarter to five. It's quite a nice time to get up actually. Something quite productive about it. It's lovely in the summer. Yes, it's kind of Really nice in the summer. It's a bit grim in the winter but (laughs) I have one of those like offensively bright lights that pretends that it's daytime oh yeah okay even though i know that it's not um and so health for you is an enabler presumably in terms of work and in terms of in terms of being able to work the way you do not in terms in terms of hard, hard work you work hard anyway but in terms of thought processes in terms of ideas in terms of you know because you've a very it's, it's a hard what you do is a tough it's a tough job in terms of writing in terms of all the ideas that you came up with but in terms of being the I was going to say spokesperson spokesperson is not quite the right word I think you're almost a representative for a generation uh, as well and health plays a huge part of that for you well I certainly know that when I have the sniffles even I'm useless like no one wants to be around me I I need to prioritize my health because also nobody else is going to prioritize it for me. People want me to show up. They want me to meet my deadlines. They want me to write the thing, say the thing, do the thing. And they don't really care. Like they'll kind of do a head tilt and oh, 
you're not feeling great. Yeah, but can you still show up for seven? Um, so I have to prioritize my health. And for me, health is about, you know, it's like a three-legged stool. It's like mental health, physical health and emotional health. And I need to be sleeping for all of those to work. Mm-hmm. And then it's about getting F- off. A phone-free bedroom? No, absolutely oh. not. I can't. Oh. And it makes me so sick that I can't <laughs> achieve all of your goals in a week. Put your phone outside on the floor. But that's it, just I, a step too far. Crikey. No way. I wouldn't. Um, phone <laughs> phone free side of the bed, maybe. But my phone that's is progress. under the other pillow. Uh, yeah. um, but also, I listen to Stephen Fry reading me Harry Potter at night time. Do you? That's oh, that how I fall amazing. asleep. Oh, my God. It's amazing. Yeah. I've been listening to him for three and a half years now. And I just started the first book and then go the whole way through. I'd say I'm on my fifth cycle now. And I just fall asleep to 15 minutes of Harry Potter every night. And it's amazing. Highest health tip I can give. But anyway. um, Yes. Yeah, so I wake up and I do my writing. And then for me, I'm one of those kids who couldn't settle into their evening until they had their homework done. So like I need to get my writing done and I need to get a walk in. And I walk for 30 minutes a day. Um, give or take, you know, I generally know a route that I'll walk to. I'll get off a bus stop earlier. I'll walk to the further Lewis stop or that kind of a thing. Um, and usually that's because the process of walking, it's something about the rhythm of my walk that allows me to... Um, uh, sort of unlock thoughts in my brain that I need to get onto paper or maybe speak like now or I sort of need that. So mindfulness is it that opens it up? Yeah, but uh, I think mindfulness is one of these terms that makes me unfortunately roll my eyes where I'm like, oh God, I'm too busy to be mindful, which is an <laughs> awful thing to say and I shouldn't be on this podcast <laughs> saying that. But it's a kind of a... Because when you're walking along, you, ha- you have that rhythm. You have Because the, there is a biorhythm there, but you also yeah. have to you almost drift yeah. into... I remember Adam Clayton, we, when we met him in Boston. He sits in the back of the car on the way to or from a gig just looking at the window. Yeah. And it, it's a bit, it's a really empowering thing for him because he just drifts away into the, the that space. It's almost like a moment in time where he just he's just forgetting about everything else. Yeah, and when I and give that opens myself, up other things. When I give myself that space, I can see, like, what does my mind wander to? when it wanders and that's a really powerful signifier for me so like if I let my mind wander and it wanders to uh, to a particular project I know that's the one I need to follow because that's the one my brain that my soul wants to go to you know if it wanders to my family I know I need to ring them I'm not really probably spending enough time with them there's a relationship that I'm letting down but if, if I don't give myself the time to let my mind wander I don't know where my brain wants to go and I like to kind of follow that I do this thing where I get healthy and I then I take it for granted. And then it takes something like a blocked nose to be like, I feel bad for all of the times I ate a meal and didn't appreciate being able to taste it. Um, but the minute something goes, like I have, I'm, I feel like it's maybe I'm getting old, but I have all these dodgy bones and limbs and joints that creak. And for me, moving helps. And when I don't move too much, they get stiff. And then I'm sitting down a lot and I'm in my brain a lot with my job. So it's very, you know, people say to me like, oh, you should try yoga. I can't think of anything worse than yoga. (laughs) I'm still and in my head enough. I need like sensory output. I need like running on a thing. Well, actually, I don't like running because I always feel like I'm being chased. But, uh, you know, I need like 
come into the gym, talk to you, talk to someone. I'm very bad on my own in the gym. I get bored. I get distracted. My thought process goes, I lift this thing 15 times. Asher, I've done seven. I look, uh, 10 is the same as 15. I'll just put down now. That's a very heavy thing. Why <laughs> do I need to lift that heavy thing? Um, and so if I don't have someone there to also just talk to and have human interaction, I don't have a lot of opportunities for human interaction in the day with my job. Um, which I find actually a blessing because people are difficult, but sometimes it's nice to have people there to tell you what to do. And so that's a part of my health routine. And I find that... So health is a priority for you. And I think if people are listening and looking for what, what they're gaining from the episode is the fact that it, the decision to prioritise it. Yes. That it's something that is a key cornerstone that you build everything else that you do on. And it's also something that I... If I'm looking for someone to work with, and I do have to collaborate very closely with people who I collaborate with, for example, a script editor or actors or a director, I also like to choose people who prioritise their health because I know that I'm not responsible then. to Like, if I know that I can ask someone to do 10 things and when they are at their capacity, they will say, no, Stephanie, I cannot do those final two things, then I can continue to to ask for what I need, knowing that they're in control of their boundaries. So, but if I'm like, if, it, if I'm dealing with a people pleaser, then I have to start looking out for them too. So you're a worrier. I'm, I am, but it's just nice to, yeah, I am a worrier because I don't want to be exploiting people. So if I know that other people prioritize their health and they will let me know when they have a boundary or when they need to go and have a mental health day or, or, or to, go for a walk at lunchtime. It's really nice to work with people who also prioritise their own health. So there's tip number three for our listeners, which is surround yourself with people who are healthy. For yeah. lots of reasons. A, because you're generally healthier too, but B, it's just, it's it, it's a way of improving your own, you know, it's a way of improving your own health and the health of those around you. Work together, work as a unit, and just work with people who are generally healthier. And I'm not saying, like, start a WhatsApp group and go for a run together. I know that's one of your tips for winter. People go mad when I mention another WhatsApp group. They're like, no, I have enough of them. I have plenty of them. There's loads of them. But I'm just saying that, like, you know, working with people who... There's something kind of attractive in, in in the Hollywood version of reality where it's like, oh, you should prioritise people who are up at 4.30 in the office for 12 hours a day, answering emails at 6 o'clock. It's like, no, I I want to work with people who take time off to go to the gym or take a walk or go to the doctor, you know. Who, who prioritise the same things that you do. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I don't think there's anything nice about the person who comes into the office with a cough four days in a row and is like, no, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. It's like, well, I... You're not fine and it's your cough is disgusting. So like get that scene to get away from me. And in terms of mental health, is it with social media, with the Instagram generation, with the perfection generation or the the, 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 the it looks like perfection in terms of mental health? Societally, we are under huge pressure. Yeah, it's a- to be perfect and to strive and to never be happy with what we have. I think it's a nightmare. You know, well, it's a nightmare for me and I, and and a lot of my friends, I would see it as well. I think that, you know, like you said there, this idea that we need to be perfect and that we always need to be happy and that 
uh, positive vibes only, you know, that like I'm almost, did you ever read the book The Secret? Or oh, yeah. remember when that was a whole thing? That actually made me afraid of my negative thoughts. Like I would, they'd pop into my head and I'd be like, oh my God, now someone's going to die because I just thought of them dying and the universe brings me what I think of and oh my God, like, but I think it's realistic to say like, actually my brain is not that powerful. They're just thoughts. Feelings are not facts, that kind of thing. But I think when we're on Instagram now, we see it just the pressure that is under that we're under to to show up to the thousands of people who are following us in a way that is hashtag inspiring, hashtag motivational, um, aspirational, and you just have to present this this version of your life that is perfect and and it's impossible and I refuse to do it now because it's it's actually not helping other people to see that all the time you know so I make a concerted effort to whenever I post on Instagram I don't wear makeup every day and I post on Instagram most days and I make sure that I'm not always wearing makeup if I'm on like television or on the cover of a magazine or something I'll make sure to take pictures before my hair and makeup is done and put them up being like yes this is a lovely photograph and thank you to the photographer and the makeup artist but here's what I look like going in that day and anyone can look like this when you've been you know under the care of three hours of professional attention um, and I think those sort of things are crucial I feel because if I were to only post the best parts of myself online so I used to do that right I used to only post like the behind the scenes things and to anyone looking my life was amazing you know I was touring my show in Australia Salpadin is my boyfriend was the name of it and uh, I had gotten an Australian tour and as a playwright as an actor like that's the dream you know to be touring your work internationally and I was putting up all the good reviews or putting up quotes from the reviews that made them look better than they were and putting up you know taking a photograph of a bank of seats that was full and like not showing the rest of the auditorium which was <laughs> so you were you were towing the line with everything that we see yeah in terms of the instagram generation in terms of social media it's perfect it's brilliant it's full it's sold out it's you know hashtag inspiration or hashtag inspo it's all of these amazing things because we think that's what life is like but actually the reality is it's not for anybody including the people who posts Including the people who post. And I, so now when I look at, and eventually with Australia, I came home early. I didn't tell anyone I was coming home. I took pictures of postcards at the airport and uploaded photographs of postcards. So I was like, ooh, Steve Irwin Zoo. And a photograph of a postcard of Steve Irwin Zoo zoomed in close so you couldn't see it was a postcard. No way. And then eventually I was like, this, I am uploading myself out of reality. I cannot keep up with this. And I deleted my Facebook page. And since then, I've had a much more curated relationship with my social media and I need it to be all of who I am because I was showing up to events or showing up to my friends and their expectation of me was higher than I was able to give them. So I was constantly showing up to my real life and feeling less than like I am not as good as my online self. So the, the online persona you created was yeah. actually deteriorating your mental and physical health. Exactly. It's like when you take a photoshopped photograph of yourself or you facetune it or you put on a filter and you upload it and you get loads of compliments. You know, like the little voice inside you knows, that's not what I look like. I'm not that. I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. And that starts to eat away at you and it is corrosive and dangerous. And then you have all these other accounts. So like I follow you on social, let's say, okay? And I follow also Lots of other health and fitness 
um, let's say, gurus. So I wake up in the morning and I see, oh, Carl Henry has given me a list of 10 things to do today. Um, have a hug, you know, um, eat three oranges, do 10 sit-ups, whatever. And then I go on to the next profile and someone else is telling me to do 30 sit-ups, don't eat any oranges, um, drink six litres of water. If I do all of the things that all of the accounts are telling me to say, I will die. Like, I will physically die. It's like when you're in secondary school and you have that feeling of all of your teachers not being aware that there are other teachers also giving you homework. It's like if you, history teacher, give me two hours of homework and you, maths teacher, give me four hours of homework, there's no room for the rest of my life. And so I need to have a very strict relationship with social media where I say, first of all, when I go on, this is not real. None of this is real. And we're all... It's like when we go to the theatre, we are all suspending our disbelief. This is not real. And I tend to follow accounts that are aware of that, that, you know, where people post things that are... Normal. Normal. and Which and are few and far between. Very few and far between. And there are also people in my life who I love, like, as people, and I love meeting them for lunch, but I cannot abide to them on social. And so I don't follow them. And I don't mind if they don't follow me, but... That's not the person that I know. And it's actually quite frightening to watch someone. Like, I've had friends. I have to be a little bit careful here now. So I, I won't had, ask you for names, don't worry. Uh, a producer's looking at me, like, ask her for names. I've no. had experiences <laughs> where I've gone out for a day trip, let's say, with a friend of mine. And they have been posting while we've been together. And when I come back, the day that they have curated the version of the day, I was like, that is not the day that we had. I was, I was there, but I was not there. So what is this? And that sort of thing frightens me because I it makes me aware of of fake news and of how fragile reality is and how it really is whatever you make it. And if it's if it has a capacity to be molded in such a way, then I want to mold one for me that is healthy, that that brings me joy and that is is contributing rather than taking from my life. Folks, you're listening to The Real Health Podcast in association with Leia Healthcare with me, Carl Henry. I want to talk work for a minute now. Okay. Um, in terms of books, in terms of TV, in terms of uh, drama podcasts, I'm fascinated why your work resonates with so many people, uh, especially women. And I'm fascinated on your thoughts behind why it resonates with them. Well, I was very surprised, too, because I grew up thinking that I had this illness called terminal uniqueness. I was so original and unique that no one could understand me and you just don't get me. And then I realized that the more specific I am about my experiences, the more they resonate with people, because actually I am just a pumpkin spice latte loving bitch like everyone else. (laughs) And I'm particularly basic. And um, I think that's why. Um, things resonate with people I it's like that game catchphrase I just say what I see and what I see is the people like my experience is one of a girl let's say with Can't Cope Won't Cope the TV show my experience of moving from Cork to Dublin watching my friends from Cork move to Dublin and seeing how we experience the city, which is absolutely different to someone who is from Dublin, who lives in Dublin, who has driven around Dublin all their lives. If you move from Cork, you know the city by foot. You only know the city centre, really, or the Lewis tracks. Um, 
your weekends are different because you're not going home to get your washing done and have a roast dinner cooked by Mammy. You're like meeting up with other Cork people who are um, expats, let's say. Um, so speaking to my experience allows for people to connect with that. And then the female thing, I don't know, like I can only speak from my experience, which is one of being a woman. And I think that up until now, we haven't had a lot of female voices on telly or female voices represented in a way that was um, nuanced and true and I guess written by a woman. So people are starting to resonate with female voices across the world now. You see it, you know, you only have to look at Netflix to see who um, who the writers are, who, who people are engaging with. I, I follow Twitter as well. Uh, as well to see what people are engaging with and and is it are things changing so as we as you know 2019 heading for 2020 are things different or becoming different for women in terms of not just in sport but just generally um things are changing progress is glacial and sometimes it feels like it's one step forward two steps back and there's now like i feel particularly a microscopic lens on women to so, you know, they have been, let's say gender quotas are enforced or so a woman has gotten a job that may before have gone to a man. There is an assiduous tracking of her and a waiting for her to fail to say like, look, see, we gave the woman the job and she couldn't do it. Um, and like, let's say in television, it's like, oh, God, all these terrible. That's a terrible show that that woman wrote. And it's like, well, men have been making terrible shows consistently for decades. So, you know, women also need the right to make <laughs> mediocre work and we need to have the right to be mediocre, to fail and to, to make mistakes. But I feel like at the moment, because we've sort of um, been given these are, we are fighting for and being given more opportunities. There is a, more of a pressure on us to do them brilliantly from the start, which is, you know, kind of an impossible ask. How do you deal with that stress? So in terms of what you do, you, you write TV, you know, TV series, you have the book. How do you deal with the stress of someone, if someone doesn't like it or the worry if someone doesn't like it? Does it get to you? How do you deal with it? What tips can you give people for dealing with with, with, with not necessarily situations like that, but our listeners and myself, we, we people deal with stress in lots of different ways. I'm always fascinated by people who are in the public eye like that, who have the pressure of being at home, writing this thing on a laptop that eventually is going to end up on a screen. And in terms of social, people are going to review it. They're going to talk about it. That's pressure. That's, that's huge, huge pressure. Yeah. And um, I'm fascinated with how you deal with that. I go into like a fetal curl like a little fetus and I rock and I cry <laughs> and I do look at Twitter when I shouldn't and 10 people say nice things and four people say mean things and I screenshot the four mean things and I play them over and over in my head and I feel terrible and I feel like I'm not enough and then someone, I share it with someone and someone brings me back from the edge by saying, like usually my nana because sh old people are just great at giving you perspective and mm -hmm. um, because she doesn't even know what Twitter is and she just it's all nonsense anyway. Um, I try to spend time with people who know the real version of me um, 
but it's incredibly hard. And I actually probably don't have any advice for people. But support, support's the key one that jumps out of that opening. Support and like forced perspective. Sometimes you need to be forced because it does feel like you're in a bubble and everyone's talking about you and oh my God, like everyone thinks, you know, whatever is being said online. And actually that's ego and you need to check your ego. And um, if you gave 100 people in Grafton Street a photograph of me, 99 of them wouldn't know who I am. Absolutely, they wouldn't. Maybe 100 wouldn't know. And it's easy to get sucked into this bubble of like, oh, you know, I can't say no to the party because she'd be really mad if I don't go to her birthday. No, she won't. She'll be drunk by eight o'clock and she won't even notice that you're not there and you're not that important and the world will go on without you and it'll be grand. And I remember the first time that saying... Uh, you know, the world will go on without you became an actual relief rather than this like FOMO thing. Uh, I'm not as important as my brain sometimes wants me to think that I am. And there is no such thing as an arts emergency. So at the moment, I'm trying to finish my second book and I have all these worries that it's not going to be good enough. And the first one was only popular because of X, Y and Z and actually it was a fluke and no one wants to read this and I'm just being stupid thinking people want to read this and what am I doing? And I have all these fears and... Which everyone has which in I, some way, shape or form. They might, their book might be a job or it might be... It could be anything. Everyone has a version of that. So I just have to tell myself, you have to be happy with it. And that means that it's going to take a little bit longer than probably the publishers would like. But as I said, there's no such thing as an arts emergency. If this book is not on shelves three weeks later, then it was meant to be. No one's going to die. No one's going to notice, actually. It's not going to make any difference. And it's just me and my little brain that can blow that up into being a deadline that has to be met. Like Some deadlines are allowed to not be met for the sake of my mental health, for the sake of me being happy with something, because that's all I have. And I know that from the last book. When I'm on a book tour, it's just going to be me and my conscience sitting there going, are you happy with this book? And there's nothing worse than selling something you're not happy with. You feel like one of those door-to-door salesmen, you know? So at least... It's impossible. It's impossible. Yeah. It's very difficult to do. Yeah. So I suppose your your tools are support. Support is certainly one. It's confidence, having the confidence to say that once you're happy with it, that's the key thing. Having the confidence to say, no, I'm happy. Well, that's I'd... the best that I can do, whether it's in a run, whether it's trying to lose weight, whether it's writing a book, whether it's, are you, have you done your best? Yes. Are you happy with it? Yes. And the confidence thing for me comes from being vulnerable. I think the most brave and confident thing you can do is say, I'm actually really struggling here can you help me or I'm a little bit nervous I don't feel like I'm enough Um, Nana can you make me some chicken wings you know and then by allowing by showing up in a way that is real and allowing yourself to stand in your vulnerability you'll find that people are much more understanding and it takes a lot less energy to be honest than it takes to maintain a facade of 
you know, like bravado and oh, I'm so happy with this book. Like when I did my book signing on my first book, all I signed over and over again is there's a typo on page 218 <laughs> because there was and I didn't want people. That's a long signing. Holy God. Yeah. But I just needed people <laughs> to know that I was aware of it and I was sorry. And they were buying a book that had a typo in it. <laughs> So if you do buy uh, Stephanie's book, <laughs> no, what? there's a new version of it out now, and the Without typo. The typo. Oh, okay. Well, that could be like a collector's item. It could be like the one with the typo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Stephanie Prizer, thank you so much for coming in on thank the Real you. Health podcast. Much appreciated. Folks, thanks for listening to today's podcast in association with Leia Healthcare. As ever, I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please do rate and review, and we'll see you next week. Leia Healthcare. It's good to live. Proud sponsor of the Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry.